0: All right, we are beginning a brand new series today, which I have been like, I, I actually, I kid you not, I stayed up last night, I woke up several times thinking about this series. I am, uh, I am completely stoked about doing this series. Um, Michael and I sat down, we said, what, what, uh, what's our plan for the new year? What do we wanna, where do we wanna take our folks? And we want to deal with some of the questions that you guys regularly have coming your way, or maybe that you have that aren't being addressed, or maybe some of the confusion in culture that has been introduced into your homes. And so, by by, we decided that we were going to take you right back to the beginning. We're going to do a series called "All Creation Declares," and we're going to take you through Genesis one to eleven. And the reason we're doing that is because we want you to know how it all began, and even more so, how it was intended to function. Throughout history, there's been speculation upon speculation of how the world began. And usually, if you saw my video this week, I kind of let the cat out of the bag, usually people will jump over how it all began and go right to, okay, since this is what we have around us, let's just study what we have, and we'll deduce some theories about where we came from. People are anxious to get into, the study of the world around us, and that's normal and expected because we're inquisitive people. But when you walk backwards through the questions to the original question of where it all began, we have a tendency to kind of slough that question off a little bit, to kind of glaze over it. Instead, we talk about the power that exists in creation and how amazing creation is, and we even make up uh, movies that that kind of try and tap into the wonder or the the power of creation. We kind of give creation a lot of credence. We say, the universe declares this or the universe declares that, which is an idiotic thing to say, really, if you think about it, because the universe has no conscience whatsoever, but because we don't go back to the first question of where it all began, all we're left with is the universe. So something, yin and yang, you know, equal, uh, equilibrium. So you get good, you get bad karma. We have all these different names for how the universe treats us. One movie came out <clears throat> called Star Wars. You may be familiar with this one. And this one deals with that very thing, deals with the energy that exists between things. Are you, are you familiar with the Star Wars? No? Well, <clears throat> normally if I was using this as an illustration, people would say that I'm old, except that they're making extra money off of it now. So here comes some brand new movies and they deal with this thing called the force. The force is this energy that exists between all things and it's the energy inside of us and it's, it's almost the energy between all things. And so there's this group of people called the Jedi who are able to tap into the energy and they can use it for evil or they can use it for good. You, you, you're right? You're tracking with me, right? I love. We love Star Wars. All right, don't admit it. The, this actually is a popular movie. And I remember when it first came out in the 70s and a lot of pastors were preaching on The force being like the Holy Spirit. That's just terrible theology altogether, okay? The force is nothing like the Holy Spirit. The force is the idea that there's something innate in creation that you can tap into that will give you the ability to do more or become more than you already are. It's pantheism, All right? Now, unless you sit there and you think, well, Craig, nobody believes that. They go to the movies and see this. Let me introduce you to a store that I went to in Madison, We lived in Madison for 10 years and when I was downtown, I found a brand new store. This store sold stones, these little tiny stones, little rocks, and you could pick up these rocks and they would give you positive thoughts or positive energy and you get different rocks to keep you more positive or to get you out of a funk or you could get you rocks that would make you become rich, even become rich prosperity. This is a chart for the rocks. This amethyst will give you positive thoughts. Uh, the third eye will give you self-knowledge. That's a blue rock. And and if you rub the rock, supposedly the energy from the rock will give you the ability to have these kinds of emotions. And right, and so you're looking at that and you're thinking to yourself, well, Craig, that's, that's kind of silly. Nobody believes that. I, I beg to differ. There are some people that carry rocks around in their pockets because they think they give them this kind of energy now when i was a kid we had those little rocks too we called them our pet rocks right but we, we didn't look at them and say give me a good day today you know i've had little eyes on my pet rocks did you ever have a pet rock all the kids are going you had a pet rock yeah it was the you know neanderthal it was a long long time ago um, these infatuations that we have with creation and with the energy in creation This this is just a normal um, inquisitive uh, outcrop of the nature that we have because we see in creation things and we want there to be more. Something inside of us that wants there to be more. And so we come to the questions of, okay, if these rocks have these energies, where did the rocks come from? But nobody ever asked that question. Or where did the energy come from in these rocks? or you got your space rock, where did that come from? Even the universe, where did that come from? So theories are quickly accepted as facts because we want to get to the study of things rather than consider the audacity of the theoretic claims that brought us to these rocks in the first place, like the theory of evolution. Do you understand that the theory of evolution is a theory of evolution? Do we all understand what a theory is? A theory and a fact are two complete different things. You have a theory until you have a fact. But if you go to any museum in downtown Chicago, you will be taught evolution as a fact. Why? Because they can't figure out where it all came from. So they came up with this idea of evolution. Um, Before we get to this, and I'll explain to you what this is, you probably already have guessed. Just this week, as I was studying through this message, just this week, they, in, uh, in Mexico, in Southern Mexico, they found a, an island that is shaped kind of weird. It was, it was uh, chiseled out of stone. It looks kind of odd. It was surrounded by water. And they think that this was from Aztec descent and they theorize this island. They've always wondered what the island was. And they theorize now that the people in Mexico built this island as paying homage to the fish god. And they believe that the fish god is who began all things. And so this this is just a sign that's kind of interesting. I was studying up on the beginning of all things and I came across this island that they just now discovered just this week in Mexico thinking this is an island to the fish god. And you might say, well, Craig, that's crazy. No one believes that. Well, let me introduce you to this idea. This is the most popular thought of how life began. This is the Big Bang Theory. Now, I did some research on the Big Bang Theory because we are taught this as fact, but nobody was there to observe it and science is uh, a study of uh, observation. Yet no one ever saw the Big Bang. However, you'd think that this was a fact based on the way that it is taught. Now, Probably some of the younger ones know this more than some of the older ones, but here's some information on the Big Bang. This is from the National Geographic. The Big Bang Theory actually began in the 1920s. Did you know that? It's nothing old. It's brand new. Uh, well, <laughs> 1920s, Craig, yeah. I wasn't alive then, but it wasn't that long ago. That's my point, all right? 1920s. A Belgian priest named Georges Lamater, something like that, first suggested the Big Bang Theory in the 1920s, when he theorized that the universe began from a single primordial atom. The Big Bang happened, they estimate, between 10 and 20 billion years ago. That's a pretty wide swath. 10 to 20 billion years ago. We might be off by a couple billion years, but we think it happened between 10 and 20 billion years ago. Um, Oh, 10 10 to 20 million years ago. Sorry, 10 to 20 million years. So that's better, That's, that's more understandable. Uh, From the Big Bang, a trillion trillions of a second, the universe began. Two nothings came together to create something, which happens all the time. Uh, Two nothings came together from nothingness to create the Big Bang. The Big Bang happened in a trillion trillions of a second, and it began expanding. Now, the Hubble telescope that was sent out in the 60s, is that right, 70s, something like that, the Hubble telescope began to uh, help us get legs to this theory because it began observing that galaxies were moving farther and farther away from us. So we actually now believe that space is growing and that galaxies continue to move out from our Milky Way galaxy. I don't know if this even uh, interests you, but they speed away in tremendous, um, in tremendous uh, force away from the Milky Way, but everything is moving away from us. Isn't that interesting? Also, um, this is accepted as fact now as well. It's not called the theory of the Big Bang. It's called the Big Bang, and it's taught as fact. Uh, If you don't want to buy into the Big Bang, and if you don't want to buy into evolution, um, which began from the Big Bang, which is a popular view today, you always are left with one other popular belief, and that is that we came from aliens. This is also one that is becoming more and more popular uh, today. Now, does it bother anyone else that this is the best we can come up with? Listen, God never intended to be confusing on this subject. God never intended for us to wander around thinking to ourselves we came from little green men. He never intended for us to think that two nothings came together to create something which has never happened in all of history at all, but yet in the Big Bang, that's supposed to be what happened. And when you get to that question, even in the National Geographic article that I read, the last paragraph said, When some people ask how the Big Bang began, we have no information on that because they can't answer that. But what God does for us is he intentionally gives us information so that we don't fall susceptible to these theories. He intentionally did not make it confusing. He even puts it at the beginning of the Bible to make sure that we understand it, that we get it. And here's what he says, Genesis 1, 1, the very first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. These are the first two verses of God's Word. In this series that we're going to be doing, we've called it Creation Declares, because All of creation is meant to declare to us something about us and something about God. It is why we have creation. It is why God has made things so incredibly intricate and tasteful and creative and mesmerizing and intricate and confusing and in capturing. This is why God gave us creation, so that we could look at creation and realize who he is and who we are. Genesis was written for our admonition, just like the rest of the Bible. Genesis 1 to 11 are the foundation of how we understand what creation is here for. Genesis 12 begins Abraham's journey as the father of the Jewish nation. Over the next few months, we're gonna be studying Genesis 1 to 11. We're gonna be looking at our history and our beginnings because Genesis was not written to us. Genesis was written to the Jewish people under Moses. Genesis was written for us. The Hebrews were torn apart by tales of how life began. They had come out of slavery, as you all know, in Egypt. And God gave this revelation to Moses and he began penning down these words because these Jewish people were beginning to dismantle their belief system on a regular basis based on the false narratives that they heard in Egypt of how life began. Egypt was polytheistic. There were all kinds of gods. All of the ten plagues that came against Egypt Egypt were all 10 plagues that were directly against certain gods in Egypt. God wanted to declare himself as the one true God, so he decimated each one of these gods. In the same way, when these people are now coming across, they are influenced, infiltrated in their minds with theories of how life began, and all of them included the polytheistic beliefs of Egypt. And so God gives Moses a revelation, and the first few words are, just so you're not confused, in the beginning, God, Yahweh, created the heavens and the earth. The narrative that God gave to them is the same, same narrative he gives to us to tell us who we are and to tell us who he is. Creation is meant as a tool. It's not meant to be the end of all things. It's not meant to be the thing that we get our energy and our hope and our love and our joy from by sticking a stone in our pocket Creation is meant for us to study, so we come up with one solution, with one conclusion, and that is what an awesome God created all of this. Creation was given so that we would observe it, and it would draw us to worship the creator. When we try and manufacture answers to our beginnings without including God, we lose life's purpose. We lose why we're even here in the first place. We become a random thought of a, of a universe that has no intellect nor conscience, that has no love or grace or cares who wins or who loses, and life becomes a random chance, live and die, or live like you want to because tomorrow you're gonna die. So what matters? But if there's a creator who created us intentionally, intricately, who created everything we see around us so that we could be drawn to one conclusion, then that is God is great we suddenly begin to see ourselves in a different light we begin to see ourselves as as an artist would create a masterpiece god has created us for some people they choose not to start with god but with fantasies and the bible talks about how that goes in romans 1 verse 18 Here's what Paul says to us when we neglect the truth about where we began. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodlessness and righteous, unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is, what does it say there, church? What can be known about God is plain to them. Can you believe that what can be known about God is plain? But it is. Where is it plain? Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, invisible attributes is an interesting phrase. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been, what are the next two words there? Clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that no one is without excuse. We are living in a masterpiece created by a creative artist so that we can wake up and see an amazing sunrise and it draws us to one conclusion, God is incredible. Or we can taste, you ever think about, this is one of my favorite illustrations. I know it's real simple, but like when you taste a strawberry in the summertime when they're really ripe, you remember that taste that you, you, you taste? I mean, it just takes you your breath away sometimes. But then you take an orange, and you eat that, and it's a totally different flavor. And then, and then you take a watermelon, and you eat that, and it's a totally different flavor. And all, we have grapes in the back, and you pop those in your mouth, and you put them with cream cheese, and it's another different flavor. <laughs> you ever wonder why God just didn't create one flavor? My dog, I feel so bad for her. All she gets is the same dog food every single day.